trigger warning. This podcast may contain descriptions of physical, emotional, sexual, spiritual, mental, and child abuse in a church setting. Listener discretion is advised. What you're about to hear is a story of events that unfolded within a church. Events that define truth is stranger than fiction. Events that ultimately led to the escape of several families. These families are known as the Rebellion. I'm sure you're wondering, why why are they still there? Is this a real story? There's just no way. So Luke and I began to look for new churches. I checked out uh, every church within a certain radius and I gave them a chance. I checked out their statement of faith, you know, anything they have on their website, checked out their denomination to see what would be a good fit with our beliefs. And I made a short list of churches that I felt might be okay. And we told our oldest child that we would be leaving and a very basic description of why and the description was because there were no rules in place to protect the kids essentially and she cried but she really understood she asked for two weeks to finish one of her class reward systems and another thing that happened at this time is i thought more about it and i realized That when Pastor shared his entire counseling session with Estelle, in some states, that, you know, is against the law. So it just kind of made me feel sick. Like, that was one thing that really weighed on me for a very long time. What if I had talked to Pastor and told him something deeply personal about myself? And then he just decided to share it with an entire room of people. It just it made me sick because I would think that if I were having a private conversation with Pastor that he would not tell a huge group of people. But it was just something that weighed on me very heavily, thinking about how he didn't care about any sort of confidentiality. That was one thing that stuck with me out of everything that has happened. Um, the sharing a confidential session was really hard to swallow. Um, because of those reasons, uh, what if that was m- my counseling session with Pastor? Who would have he had told? How much of it would he have told to other people? Uh, it just, uh, there was no trust anymore at that point. And my heart grieved more for Estelle because she'd already been essentially verbally abused and told that she was influenced by the devil and she was just verbally beat up and then to have that shared about you with a group of people just really hurt me she's my friend and i just couldn't believe all those things that happened to her so at this point i thought okay we can make it through these next two weeks so we went to church just felt like complete frauds being there but i went up to my balcony and did my work. Part of me wanted to sabotage live sh- the live stream system, 
And the other part of me wanted to just burst into tears. My stomach just churned listening to the message. I had my last security duty that day. I decided to put all of the uh, the security team documentation that I've been storing on my computer on a flash drive, and I just left it on the desk there. I removed my access to all the email addresses and uh, and the remote systems on my phone and everything, and I bid the security room farewell that day. Estelle and her family checked out another church, and they said it was okay. And I really looked forward to getting out. So at this point, I thought, you know, our story was over, and I would be wrapping everything up. Writing the conclusion, describing what leaving was like, and things of that nature. But there was more. At this point, I completely updated my parents. I had been updating them along, like, in the, pro- in the process, but I hadn't told them about the third, the prior meeting, the third meeting. And I told them everything. And my mom cried and apologized for ever bringing us up in fundamentalism. And that really meant a lot to me. And my parents and my brother said they would leave the church. My other brother had already left the church right after the Arnold incident because he just thought it was absolutely ridiculous. While at Lizzie's parents' house that day, I got a call from the Sunday school director. The Sunday school director told me that a report had been made that morning, uh, and it was an incident in our four-year-old's uh classroom a teacher reportedly picked him up placed him in a seat and said i'm not asking you i'm telling you the uh, sunday school director was wanting to make sure we knew i think it i think it came out of a place of oh no not again like one of their kids are there's another report against one of their kids in church so they were kind of afraid of what how we would react that's kind of the feeling i got But like Lizzie said, the story is not over. With the new policies that were in place for the security team accessing recorded footage, I had to file an incident report and view it with uh, at least one of the four people that were listed. Uh, It was hard to find someone that was available to view it. I had to wait until the Wednesday night service to review it. And that night, Rachel let us know that Pastor talked to Romeo. And Pastor apparently said he wanted the final draft of the policy because he was feeling good about it. So I said, all right, Luke, let's go through and make those final edits that they wanted. And we did that knowing we would be leaving, but having some kind of hope that maybe this would leave a lasting effect. And so at this point, we were, we were going to leave and we knew it. And I thought I'd feel better once we actually officially decided to leave, but the emotions remained. Everything just hurt. I wanted it to be over, but I didn't want to leave the comfort of my church. I loved the people. I loved being with everyone. I made many good friends there. And 
it just it hurt to even think about leaving it was all we knew up to that point so while all these thoughts were swirling wednesday night finally rolled around and i anxiously waited to see the video of our son so while we were waiting i had to listen to pastor talk about how if you go to a church that doesn't believe what we believe you'll be lied to he told a story about how a guy moved away and found a different church then he came back for a visit and told pastor how he missed his teaching and realized how he had forgotten what he had learned and he also talked about how other churches weaken over time and my thought was my family needs to be safe and free from this and luke had printed and placed the final draft of the policy on pastor's desk that night so after church that night after i put the policy on the desk i had to go back into the security room one more time to review the video that the sunday school director had uh, reported so it appeared really just to be what was said and nothing more uh, the the Sunday school teacher picked our son up, put him down in a chair, and it looked like he probably said something along the lines of, I'm not asking you, I told you to, or I'm telling you to. It, obviously, it wasn't the, the appropriate action that the teacher should have taken, but we weren't really too concerned because it wasn't extremely violent or ill-intended or out of blind rage. So we essentially said, okay, this is fine. And the Sunday school director said that he's going to have a talk with the teacher and uh, and just make sure he can he handles the situation appropriately next time. And I guess I felt like I I felt weird about it, but I also thought, you know, these teachers they have no training; they're just doing what they think is appropriate. So, how is this person supposed to know that he's not supposed to do that? There's nothing that's ever told him that he can't lift four-year-olds and set them in their seats. It wasn't, it clearly wasn't out of, like, it wasn't out of anger or it had, it was not violent. So I wasn't too concerned about it. And I also knew that we were going to leave. So I signed off on the incident report, put it in the file, and then I bid adieu to the security room once more. As the final day at our church approached... The rest of the rebellion wanted wanted to know how we were going to do it. We really couldn't figure out a great way. But Luke wanted to tell past, Pastor after our last time of going there. I wanted to make our last Sunday our last Sunday without confrontation, without having to explain ourselves. So I decided that it would be best to uh, tell Pastor that we were that that Sunday was our last day after we left. So the morning of our last day finally came. I woke up feeling pretty good. I was just ready to leave. I had probably bigger and more evolved mixed emotions about the whole thing, um, but I knew that we were we were going in the right direction. I went up to my balcony. And I walked in with no thought and did my normal stuff. I went over to the sound man that I worked with very closely every single day that I was there. And I told him that we were leaving. So as I said, I have something to tell you. You're leaving. He responded. And I'm like, how, how did you know that? 
Uh, I knew a couple, another couple left, and I heard some stuff. So once Luke canceled singing with me, I just had a feeling. He said that kind of blankly, and then his tone changed, and his voice started shaking. I love you guys. Are you sure there's nothing I can do to get you to stay? And tears started coming into his eyes. And I said, no, we, we tried to stay, but we just can't. And that was hard, because I, I worked with him a lot. He was a he was a friend of ours, and being up there all those years in the balcony, it was almost exclusively me or Lizzie with him, and you know it turned to be more Lizzie and him over the years up there. Uh, so it was a, it was a hard announcement to make to him, and for for both of us, for for him and us, it was hard. So then I uh, I decided we had to tell um, one of our backup video guys that we were leaving. So I texted him, and this was Arnold's brother. Um, so I texted him to come up because I needed to talk to him. He came up, and uh, I said, "Hey, today's our last Sunday." And he was he was like, "Oh, okay. Guess it's my job now." And I we passed the torch to him. And we sat there and listened to Pastor's message, and he said, I never want you to believe anything I said just because I said it. And I was just confused when he said that, because there, because there was so much contradiction coming from him. I, I could not make sense of anything he was saying, because it was just like a complete contradiction. And I could tell that Luke was feeling hurt also, because Luke is a very positive person. He doesn't generally talk negatively about anything but he was he was negative that morning and afterward the sound man walked over to us and said something like i don't know what the issue is lots of personal things happen but you'll get that at every church i'm just telling you i've been to a lot of churches and no one will care for your soul as much as pastor and (laughs) at that point I thought, okay, I if I'm being beaten by somebody, pastor would just be over there quoting Bible verses and saying that's more important than me literally dying. That was my thought about what he had to say. Like, yeah, he might care for my soul, but does he care for the rest of me? Does he care for safety? About safety? What does he really care about? So, the message wrapped up. We left the door. Um, I purposely left the door out, like walked out the door pretty quickly without saying hi to anyone. I just wanted to get out of there. After church, I uh, I stared at my phone, an uh, open text message, and it was a, a message that I was drafting to pastor that said very shortly that this was our last Sunday and we're leaving. After a great while of of fear of hitting that send button, I finally hit send. And uh, shortly after that, Pastor responded with a very simple uh, response saying, he said something along the lines of, just remember, you're always welcome back. Our doors are always open. And that was it. It was fairly heartless. I was expecting a little more emotion. And when I told the rest of the rebellion, they were kind of shocked that he didn't even seem to care. 
that we were leaving. So after that happened, I started to feel almost homeless. I thought things like, if I get into a car accident tonight, my church family won't help me. It was a very strange feeling to not belong somewhere anymore. For me, it was uh, after, after that initial day, it felt freeing to not be in, not to be bound to that church and to the, uh, to the leadership anymore, but it did feel like we didn't belong anywhere at the time. As the weeks went on, when we were looking for a new church, I, I had an idea of what to look for. I knew we were not going to get the exact same type of church that we had just come from because the church we went to um, was a King James only church, as in King James is the only inspired word of God. Anything else is garbage. They were also a hymn singing church with hymnals. And it was just very traditional. The If you wanted to sing on a Sunday morning, you had to wear like a nice skirt and dress. Modest, of course. Or suit and tie. Yes, it was a suit and tie church. And I knew the other churches were not generally like that. But I, when I was looking, I told myself, I'm not going to worry about things like the music. I'm going to stick with the basics of what it means to be a Christian. Like, what is Christianity? So I'm not looking just for specifically a Baptist church. Well, I went through, and after looking through all these churches, I picked out three. The first one was another Baptist church, very similar in a lot of ways. They sang some hymns, but it was on a screen, not from a hymnal. And they had a little orchestra, but not necessarily, you know, a band or anything. And that church was fine. It was just kind of more of the same, a little different, but similar. And we checked out, the next church we checked out was a different denomination. And they actually had like, they had a band with more modern music. And I, I said, okay, I'm not going to count the music. And the messages seemed fine. It actually seemed pretty similar to what I was used to. And the third church that made my list when I was originally looking, I, my first thought was, <laughs> I'm not, we're not going to that church. That church is, you know, really modern. It's the hipster church. And they wear ripped jeans and they all have tattoos. And yeah, we're not going to that church. That, but, you know, I'll look at their website. We'll check it out. And I looked at their website, checked out their statement of faith, checked out their posts online and I said well there's I can't find anything wrong with this church I had a good feeling about it so we went to visit that church and just after the first time we went it had like a good feel to it now all of the churches we visited the the other two before this third one people were friendly all of the they had all of the right things policies in place and like the right uh processes for like kids and stuff it seemed very like they all seemed very safe and i mean i couldn't really complain about any of them but this third one i had a good feeling about when we when we visited there every single one of them had a check-in and check-out system for kids they had 
policies and procedures for children's ministries, and they were open about it. They were very transparent with everything, their finances, their their uh, kids' programs and check-in processes and uh, everything they were very transparent with. But the third church, the hipster church, like I said, it's, it's very different. There is a very loud band. But one of the things I promised myself when I was church hunting, I said I would not base the whole church on the music because I like hymns. <laughs> And I knew I wasn't going to find a church with hymns that also wanted to protect my children and things like that. And it just, it had a good feel. After visiting this church for several weeks, we requested to talk to the pastor and find out some things that we wanted to know. And we asked him, well, we drilled him with lots of questions about safety, security, policies, how the church government works, all things of that nature. And even beliefs. We wanted to make sure we covered all of the bases so we knew exactly what church and what kind of people at the church we were dealing with. So we we really did not hold back with the questions. He answered the questions and I almost wanted to cry listening to the answers because when we ask questions like, what would you do if an adult in your church hit a child in church? And he knew the answer. The answer is like, oh, yeah, that's... Well, what would happen was the person would be immediately removed from the premises and told not to return until an investigation was done. And I could feel it. It was just a normal answer. Of course that would be the answer. That's what any reasonable person would do. He had all the right and reasonable answers that we could have hoped for. So I had made my decision for my family. I did not have a conversation with Rachel yet, but I knew that before our daughter went into the middle school youth group that we were going to leave. I was not going to put my faith in such individuals that showed such disrespect towards women and children. I was not going to risk it. I was not going to risk my daughter being the next story that had to be discussed and used an example for this cause. I made that decision. It was very difficult for my wife going through things. And so we waited. Uh, I didn't have the conversation with her. I was waiting for the right time. And uh, through this, uh, my wife, a little bit of backstory, my wife has had uh, I will just put it as uh, health issues and has not been able to attend church regularly and has had a difficult time getting back to church. At some point last year, we were able to make it back to Sunday mornings on a regular basis. And after not too long of that period, we were approached by the Sunday school director and asked to teach a class during the Sunday morning service. Uh, my wife used to teach classes prior to that and was very excited to be able to get back into the opportunity to minister. And so she took the opportunity. Um, fast forward now to where we are with the meetings. And my wife had noticed that when we came to teach the Sunday morning class after the Sunday school class, that there was a family that would come and take their kid out of the class so they attended the sunday school hour but they removed their kid during the sunday morning service 
which was our class. And it was just kind of unusual when it was first happening. We thought maybe some, they had some kind of engagement or something that was going on, but it had become a regular occurrence. And so just in a passing question to the Sunday school director, it was um, informed to us that there were not just one, but there were multiple families, at least two that felt that we were a bad example for their children and so they pulled them from the class this broke rachel's heart completely she was defeated and she said that she was done she just couldn't go through it anymore and she was just like if this is what this has accumulated to she just was done with it and that is when i told her about how i had already made the plan that we were going to leave I just didn't know about the timing specifically, but she said that she was ready to go. We did not want to leave things high and dry. And so we went ahead and uh, served out another week of the class because it was a big, um, a big weekend coming up for the next Sunday service. So we had that one class class and I asked to have a meeting with a pastor later on that week to kind of get an update on things and to discuss a couple of things. And so then that was going to be our final meeting with anything happening with the church. So the plan was to inform the Sunday school director after the meeting with a pastor it was going to be a Thursday evening meeting. We kind of wanted to give more of a lead time on no longer teaching the class, but it was just the way that worked out. So we were going to inform him after the meeting with pastor. My wife wasn't sure if she was going to attend. She didn't think she would be able to. She wound up not going. So Rachel did not go, but she did write a letter that she wanted me to read to pastor during the meeting because she wanted me to read it because she was worried that if I just gave him the letter that he might not even give it time to read himself. I scheduled the meeting. I prepared for the meeting. I tried to think of the different ways that I could go, but as all the meetings had gone, I knew that there was going to be something I wasn't going to, uh, was going to overlook and wasn't going to be prepared for. And that's the truth. I went in with two main perspectives on either, maybe it could go really well and he would try to be supportive and say things are going to change and be positive about it, or it could go really badly and he could get defensive and he could, it could turn into an argument. So I was trying to prepare for both of those. Uh, what I did not expect is what actually happened. And it was that to boil down how the meeting went, it felt very much that we did not matter. The way that the conversation went seemed very uninvolved. It lacked emotion, uh, which is rather unlike the pastor, uh, especially thinking about his relation uh, and closeness with my wife and her family. Uh, thought for sure that there would be more of a heartfelt situation with that, but there was none. It was... Uh, I would say it was a smooth meeting, but I was very forward. I did ask for some updates on things and I shared my thoughts. Some of the thoughts that I've already shared here on, I expressed to him that I felt that the people in leadership around him would not ever give him constructive criticism or go against what he said. 
even if he needed to say it. I felt that they would just support him no matter what he would do, and that he was never going to be given criticism if he needed it. I talked to him about how I felt about the comments that were made about downplaying the situations, and I shared about the many multiple situations that had happened that we wanted to talk about. Uh, He talked about, uh, oh, it's only a few things that have happened over so many years. And I told him that we could count, I believe the count was up to at least 15 instances that we just knew about, that we just knew about. And um, when we were in that part of the conversation, he turned it back on me and he's just like, you're throwing out a number. Honestly, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like 15, what, what, what are these 15 things? And so I had been given permission um, by somebody who was in one of these situations and I dropped the name of the two individuals in the situation. Uh, and it happened, it did happen uh, several years ago. And I said, I, I told him, And he just looked at me utterly confused and he's like, I don't know who you're talking about. This was a meeting that he had, which was a horrible meeting. Another meeting that was discussed that these are things we're going to talk about. These are things we're not going to talk about. You have to forgive this person before we end this meeting. I, I don't even know if I can go into all the details that just blew my mind about that meeting. But there was a serious meeting about these allegations between these two super serious sensitive information and he did not remember it he had no recollection of it i i couldn't i was not prepared for that i was not prepared that he would not rem- i don't understand did he was he having so many of these meetings that he was forgetting some of them because i feel like if you're having a meeting between members of your congregation about such a sexual matter about forcing somebody on somebody else and these situations between young people in your church that that would kind of get burned into your memory so either you're having so many of these conversations that you can't keep track of them or your memory is so bad you can't remember them which both of the both of those situations are absolutely awful and so I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that I was, I was in shock. And so I shared with him that instance. I talked about other instances. I also conveyed that you can't tell me that we know everything. There are other instances that you probably know about that we don't know about there. And there are other instances that we know that none of us know about because we have had it told to us that there are young women who do not bring forth their issues and concerns because they have seen other women come forward with those same issues and concerns and have seen no results, no action taken, nothing to do to support them. And so these were things that I was communicating. I was communicating the extreme disappointment in the deacon's wife and the choice words that she used in the only thing that was really coming out was excuses and giving grace and showing exception. And why? Why does everybody else get that except for the ones who are trying to help? Why were we not getting that? Because we were ruffling feathers, because we were going against the grain. I don't know. I can't speak for him, but that's the only thing that makes sense. That's the only thing that makes sense. And so I, I held off uh, until the end, I held off until I read my wife's letter, uh, which actually she wound up stating that we were going to leave the church in her letter. 
and uh, it, it got a little emotional for me. And I had a little bit of a difficult time finishing the letter. And there was no emotion from the pastor. And it was surprising and it was disappointing. There was no effort to try to change things. Uh, some of that makes sense. Uh, in uh, other situations, we had heard about him trying to convince people not to go, about almost begging people to like try to talk things out and things like that. And with us, who had never come up with any issues or concerns in the past, just to be discarded like that was unexpected and so sad. It, it really was sad. And he told me that I can tell that you've made your mind up. So I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. I'm not going to try to give you advice otherwise, because you're not here seeking my advice. You've already made up your mind. And that was true. And so that was the meeting. Uh, there were plenty of other things kind of discussed during the meeting too. him trying to make exceptions and excuses for certain things. and. I just wasn't having it. I was done with it. One thing that I did overlook that was rather early on in the conversation that does that does need to be <laughs> included because uh, it makes it makes me laugh because I don't even know where this came from. Um, but in going back to kind of the thing that tipped off the whole thing, the situation with uh, the teacher Arnold and Luke and Lizzie's daughter Lily. When starting to talk about how leadership was handling things or not handling things, the pastor came back with, he didn't even, he wasn't even pleased with how he had handled the situation. He had wished that he didn't go along with the requests of some of the couples and um, Estelle, who was in charge of nursery, on taking precautions with Arnold being around kids. Because he didn't like it, and he said if he had gone through it again, that he wouldn't do it. He would not have done. He would not have agreed to it. And so I said, "So you're saying that you wouldn't do that again?" And he said, "No, it would depend on the circumstances." So of course, if it was somebody else other than the assistant pastor's son, it would probably be handled differently from the way he's communicating it. But he was discussing that, and not word for word, but extremely close to this. He was saying, I don't even understand where this woke wokeness came from, where this woke culture came from, and uh, this cancel culture with handling this situation with the teacher Arnold. And I immediately questioned, and I was saying, where was the cancel culture? Who was canceling him? And they said, well, he didn't. they didn't want him to minister anymore. I said, no, they didn't want him in children ministry, rightfully so. And it was only for a time period. And the, he said it was for over a year. And I was just like, it's a year. That's a time frame. That's not cancel. That's not the end. That's like a probation period. And he was comparing that to being woke and cancel culture, which had never been brought up before. I don't even understand where these things were coming from. It seemed like they were grasping at straws for anything that felt good for them. So at this point, leaving was not too difficult because I knew that they were going to do whatever they felt like. We kind of imagined that was going to be the case anyways, but at this point we, we knew that was going to be the case. But then on top of that, they were pulling at anything that would, 
support their thoughts, their cause, their perspective. And at that point, there's really nothing that you can do because they're pretty set in their ways. And so we left, we were done. Originally, I was going to be very stern and expressly state that we did not want any communication from them moving from from the pastor or from the church moving forward. I forgot to mention that. And maybe it was for the best because after a few days, uh, he did send a message, uh, a text message to my wife. Uh, it was very heartfelt, but I will be very explicit. It was not apologetic. It was just very heartfelt about their relationship and their friendship and just expressing about still caring and loving for the family, uh, which was a nice gesture, but again, not addressing any of the real situations of the meetings. It was about their relationship. That was good. That was nice for my wife, Rachel. She did need that. It, it was something good for her. The only other communication that we have had from anyone in leadership, anyone really with the church uh, expressly about us leaving is that the deacon that I had the meeting with, who was a friend of the family, uh, he as well, sometime later, uh, several weeks later, sent a text to me as well along the same lines of talking about relationship and still loving and caring for our family, and it was appreciated. There was one couple up here, a uh, couple that got together with us and Luke and Lizzie to ask questions because they were aware of some of what was going on. They too, rightfully so, and appropriately so, uh, wanted to hear things directly to hear what had happened. But uh, outside of that, our absence may have gone unnoticed for the most part, which that's sometimes how things go. So one of the most profound things I think I've ever said in my life, and I never thought I'd really come back to this, but I have a very dear friend that I wish I could be there for more, uh, doesn't live in the area anymore. And something happened uh, when we were rather young, high school, maybe it was early college, and they they were hurt by uh, somebody close, and they were bothered by it, rightfully so. And I said to them, everyone in this world, unfortunately, we're all human, everyone in this world, and I said myself included, and at the time, we were the best of friends. Uh, we are still best friends. But uh, at that time, we were very close. And I said, everyone uh, in this world that you know, including myself, is going to let you down at some point. Uh, it might be a little. It might be a lot. And you are going to have to know and make the decision on what is worth holding on to and what is not. Who is worth holding on to and who is not. Um, is this somebody that you need to let go? Or is this something that you need to get past? so you can keep your relationship with this person. And that's essentially where we found ourselves with this. Um, we had been let down and we had been hurt and finally got to a certain point. Uh, and I know we didn't even go through half the things that some of the other couples did. Um, so not at all trying to um, say that we went through so much, but um, we had to make the decision. 
is this something that we can get past and keep these uh, relationships going and keep attending this place? Or do we need to walk away? And so it got to that point and we felt the best decision was to walk away. Because uh, when it comes to the safety and the well-being of my family, I'm not going to knowingly put them at risk with irresponsible individuals. Uh, we're looking. And actually, this is a very good uh, soul-searching experience uh, to be looking, honestly. And I I'll share this. My wife and I have never been closer, and I don't believe our relationship has ever been stronger than it is now because we have had to have such real and so much deeper conversations than we typically would that it is just amazing to have such a strong, supportive individual uh, to have as my wife. And I appreciate Rachel so much, and I appreciate our friends so much who went through this. Never in a million years thought that uh, we were going to have such close bonds because of uh, a situation like this. I thought we were going to have our friendships and everything, but now we're closer, stronger, a lot uh, more of a closer friendship and respect for these individuals because I know what we did was right. Maybe we didn't do it the best, uh, but I know what we did was right. And the leadership couldn't convince me otherwise. So it's time to search. It's time to grow. There's all, it's always time to grow. If you can't grow, then your life is moving in the wrong direction because there's always supposed to be moving and there's always supposed, it's always supposed to be moving forward. And so, uh, so much thanks and appreciation, uh, and prayers out to all the couples and the young married families. I appreciate each and every single one of them. So at this point, um, I, having found out now that members of leadership of in the church had been discussing my Facebook posts behind my back and never actually reached out to me with concerns, they just used them against me later. Um, having found out all of these things, I decided to just pretty much unfriend everyone from the church. I kept a few people that I thought might be receptive to my story or might care about me. So I um, just unfriended a lot of people. I did have a few people reach out to me to find out how I was doing and what happened. And one of the things that is striking to me through all of this is that it's incredibly complex and difficult to explain all of this. It's very, very hard to explain to someone who has no idea what's been happening to look at them and explain to them what it feels like to have your pastor look at you and tell you that he understands why a man would take advantage of a teenager or that he feels personally attacked by us holding a man accountable 
for hurting a child. It's extremely difficult to un- to explain the callousness and the disregard for women who are being harmed in the church by other members of the church. It's extremely difficult to explain to someone who doesn't really know. It's hard to share those things because those are so personal. And you can't just go around sharing other people's information. You can't just say, hey, what, you know, so-and-so got hurt by this man. And you can't share those things. But you feel those things. And we, throughout this, chose to stand up and say, this is not okay. And my heart has always been, this is happening. These women, these children, they're being silenced by leaders. And it is important for someone to stand up and speak out and say, we are tired of this. It's very difficult to explain all of these multiple facets of the things that went into all of this, especially in just a really short conversation. So that has been difficult because a lot of people have taken little bits of information and spread it that they don't and just made assumptions. And so it has destroyed most of the relationships we've had in that church for the last 15 to 20 years. And uh, walking away from something that you've put a lot of your heart and your time into is not easy. So just, it's a lot of, it's a lot to process. It We took a couple weeks to just not go to church, just to just process. And then we started going to a different church and we've been criticized for that. And um, my kids are so much happier. So they're so thriving in this new environment because... The teachers are experienced and know how to talk to children. And that has been really, really important for our family to see our kids just so happy and so excited to go to church and just coming home knowing Bible verses and coming home having having heard these stories and able to tell us what they're learning. That has been so, so great for us. And uh, this is going to be a long process of healing for us, but we are slowly getting there. Um, Starting over is just has its moments of excitement and hopelessness and lots of feelings there. But we left knowing that what we stood up for was what was right and people are going to say what they're going to say. People who don't know the whole story are going to say what they're going to say, but all we can do is just continue to speak up for what's right and do what we know is right. And over the last couple of days, I've kind of compiled kind of a rough number of how many hours we spent in meetings with the leadership of the church because just because of rumors going around, I was curious what we had as far as tangible time like that we had put into 
all of these meetings and um in a conservative estimate we spent our group of people have spent about 30 hours meeting with leadership from the church trying to explain trying to understand just trying to find some sort of reconciliation and some sort of solution. So 30 hours spent from the time that we started sharing our concerns to the time that we submitted our final policy draft and all of that. One of the questions you probably have is, how is Lily? When we first told them about our search for a new church, our kids asked the question, at a new church, how can you know if the teachers aren't worse than Arnold? And that was just very sad when they asked us because they actually were concerned. And I told them that I highly doubted that the teachers at other churches would be worse than Arnold. It just, it kind of hurt me to think that they were actually concerned about teachers at churches hitting them. Like, they thought that was normal, so they were expecting it to happen again, and it just made me very sad. Um, So recently, Lily, when we were talking about the Arnold situation, we just asked her if she remembered it and such. She said, of course. And I asked her what she remembered about it, what she thought about it, because it's been almost a year. And she said, I don't like when people hurt me. He is a, and then she gave a two two thumbs down symbol. And another thing she said is, I'm glad we left the church because nobody will hurt me again. And it, it made me feel very relieved that at the church we're currently going to, she isn't concerned about being hurt. So as far as I can tell, overall, she seems to be in a reasonably okay state. Obviously, we don't know the long-term effects that this had on her, but she seems to be happier in a different env- different environment. One of my biggest takeaways is, despite the pastor claiming he was against fundamentalism, having men- mentioned it in previous messages, and also in one of our prior meetings, I believe it was the first meeting, but it was clear by what he said that he was actually very into fundamentalism. Some of the basic beliefs of independent fundamental Baptists include believing the pastor is the man of God and is above the rest of the church, and that women are below men, essentially secondary characters. And looking back, I can see there were signs of issues with safety and letting people off the hook for harassment and abuse things, and I chose to ignore them because I didn't want to cause any trouble. And now I can see, like, look what ended up happening. So one of my biggest messages is don't ignore important things just to avoid conflict, like I did. Some of my biggest takeaways from everything that happened was uh, seeing 
the church and its leadership in the full light the, uh, and being able to expose uh, the the truth of who they are. And it made me realize that there were red flags that we overlooked and ignored, if you will, at the time. And now that we know what we're looking for, it makes it easier, but it's something to be educated on and not to fool yourself with when you do see red flags of these toxic, potentially dangerous relationships within a church. With our church and then many other independent fundamental Baptist churches, we see that they, especially the church we came out of, they focused on their doctrine heavily and how they are right and everyone else has it wrong. And intentionally or not, the the leadership will proclaim that and their followers and the people in the church become obsessed with that idea and obsessed with their leader and that their leader becomes uh, almost this um, this apostle in their eyes that they're untouchable and they're perfect and don't even talk bad about this guy don't talk bad about these leaders there are big red flags that looking back was evident red flags of narcissism spiritual abuse and almost the the abuse of position and authority that people in leadership were given one big thing that you heard in the previous episodes was that the leadership said that there's no other church like this one in a hundred miles of here. And thank goodness, because I don't want to have to dodge and avoid these churches um, if they're exactly like this one. The one thing that uh, coming out of this church and getting into other churches, especially the one we're at now, um, but a recurrent theme I see throughout the other churches um, compared to our old one is that the old church seems to have lost its sight on and forgotten about Jesus. That should be the main focus and the main emphasis in a church, you would think. Um, but it seems like they they focus so much on doctrine and being right, that they forgot about what it's all about. And that's Jesus. So with that in mind, seeing just getting into other churches where people actually love Jesus and love being in the church and serving and um, being sincere about their faith and about who they are, they're not going to pretend that they're the some righteous all godly person that has no faults and that has no personality um they they're real uh they're sincere and that that's all of this together has really been for me an uh eye-opening experience i like to say that i have a newfound hope in the this real world Christianity um, and almost a, a renewal of faith, if you will, or like a personal um, revival. Uh, and it's just seeing 
the real Christian walk with these people it has been very uh, eye-opening. And the one word that I always come back to is it's sincere. Being taken out of the bonds of the fundamental church has been very freeing liberating we can i can actually use my liberty in christ to freely worship and live a christian life how i should be even little things like listening to the worship music that i like without feeling guilty or being who i am without feeling like i need to be someone else it's been very freeing. This change has been hard over the last year or so, um, but change is hard. And, but what comes out of from the other side is is good. I'm just very thankful for the support that we have had throughout all of this with. I mean, first and foremost, my family, my wife, even my kids being uh, 100% in in standing for what they believe in and what is right. Um, and it's just been encouraging for me and showing me that we're not doing this alone. To the rest of the rebellion, the, the young couples that we've been going through this with, uh, I just thank you for sticking to it. And even though it was very hard on several levels, every day, a lot of emotion and trauma, we stuck through it together and we've grown from this. And even this, the third party supporters and family and friends that have been watching this from the outside and fully supportive of decisions being made and fully really invested in the storyline as it has happening as it's unfolded in front of them in real time and I just um, I don't think any of us in this group could have done it without that whole support system yes I uh, I agree I'd like to thank especially in the rest of the rebellion for being there with us through it all. Uh, we have many reasons for being in the rebellion and I really appreciate everybody's work and effort and support. And I'm really glad that we did it all together. And in the beginning, we, we were friends sort of, I wouldn't say, like, any of us were really, truly close friends, but at the end of this, we became fairly close friends, and I really appreciate all of them. And at the time of the time that we're recording this, officially all members of the Rebellion have left the church. Last I heard, there was no policy or anything like it passed, and... I'd personally be very surprised if, with all the rebellion gone, anything were done or passed in relation to any sort of safety policy or abuse policy or anything. I still worry about the people of the church and the kind of authority they are putting themselves under. I, I don't hate anybody at this church. 
I, I really, I love those people, and some of them I consider to be my friends. I just hope they know what they are subjecting themselves to, because I certainly didn't know what I was subjecting to my, myself to. I would call this experience hard and very stressful, but the end result was very freeing. The weight of everything, of everything has just been lifted. And after this whole process, I can understand how people might give up on Christianity altogether after an event such as this. It would be simpler, simpler just to remove ourselves from the association altogether. And I honestly considered those thoughts for a little bit and ultimately decided that this experience alone will not define my beliefs or my faith. At the church we're attending now, I actually enjoy the fellowship and the worship in a way I'd forgotten was possible. There's a focus on individual relationships with Christ, and I feel like that's something I'd nearly forgotten about. I really had essentially forgotten about Jesus Christ. I do find myself subconsciously checking the current pastor about his authority and humanity. The questions and comments just slip out, seeing if, like, what his reaction will be. I do feel a little bad about it, but he seems to be really understanding and keeps assuring me that he'll answer all of my questions. And I really appreciate the patience and the kindness of everybody at the church. It's really helped with the healing process and just feels like they understand and you know, maybe they've also gone through something similar. This, our story doesn't seem to be unusual. The purpose of this podcast is to share a story, to warn others that think, this will never happen at my church, and to alert others to ask questions when something just isn't right. Don't be afraid to be a rebel.